Good evening, Bards Nation. How are you all doing this evening? This is Duncan from Kilted Christian. Scott is back on the road right now. Um, he wanted to uh, hang out a little bit in West Virginia so that he could do those earlier two shows for you live because he misses you guys a lot. Um, he is back on the road right now. He has a 12-hour drive to his next destination. So keep him in your prayers, guys. It's a really long drive. He did get some rest today, and God is his co-pilot and bringing him right to his next destination. So I am very, very glad to be here with you all this evening. When uh, Scott asked me to do tonight's show, you know, my first question was like, gosh, what am I going to talk about? I mean, that's some big shoes to fill when you're filling in for old Scott Kesterson because the guy is absolutely amazing. And one of the things that came to my mind is Scott and I talk about four or five times a day. We kind of keep track. I make sure that he's safe to his destination and he fills me in on all of these wonderful parts of his story. Now, I'm not going to I'm going to tease you guys a little bit, but I'm not going to spoil it because he's going to come back with you guys with some pretty exciting information. But one thing that I'm taking from his journey is the journey itself. We have a tendency often to look forward at the end of the destination. Where are we heading? We, we look to where we're going instead of where we are. And that's one thing about his journey for the last month going around this country is that even he has some expectations about what he's going to do when he gets to a certain place, but then he realizes that things often change as because the plans that we have are sometimes different than the plans that God has. And we forget that, you know, we're so focused on, on where we're heading at the, the end of that journey that we forget to focus on the journey itself and God and Jesus, they are the journey. That's the most thing is that the precious thing that we often forget is just to enjoy the little things that take place while we're getting from point A to point B. Um, a great example, and I'm, I'm just going to tease you guys a little bit. I'll let him tell the story. We talked about three days ago, 
And he said, you know, I'm going to be going to this, this city. I'm going to be going to uh, West Virginia. I don't know why I'm going there. Cause he's, he's had destinations, you know, where he's had to speak at events. He's had destinations where he went and, uh, and went to go hand the Bible off to, um, the Lieutenant, uh, the Lieutenant governor in North Carolina, but he didn't know why he was going to West Virginia, but he knows now. And guys, Scott's going to be bringing you some pretty exciting news. And I'm sorry I'm teasing you guys. I'm going to let him tell the story. But there was a reason that he went to West Virginia. And I'll tell you, when we talked about it last night, I am excited. So I know you guys are going to be excited too. But it just reminded me is that we just need to embrace those things along the journey. We need to have some ideas. It's okay to have ideas about where you're going. But it's also important to be flexible because, like I said, our goals aren't necessarily God's goals. So God may be leading us down a path, and we think we know where we're going to end up. But sometimes he puts us on a detour, and he, he, we end up in the places that we're absolutely supposed to be. So one of these things, you know, a part of his journey is being able to listen to God. And that's one of the things that I really kind of wanted to focus on this evening is how do you listen to God? We know how we talk to God. We talk to God through the love we have in our hearts, through the kind deeds that we do for other people. We talk to God in prayer. We know how to talk to God. But do you know how to listen to God? And me and my life, I haven't always been the greatest person. I would consider myself a new Christian compared to many of you. Um, I really came to have my relationship with, with God about five or six years ago. But it didn't mean that God wasn't in my life. And before we know, before we know God, God knows us. God knew us before we were in our mother's womb. God knew us when we when we left the womb. God knew us all our, our lives, and He's been working in our lives. He's been sending us down these trails where we be, we become better at certain things. We develop these skills, and we don't know why. Sometimes we think it's because it's something that we enjoy, but often God gives us these skills because. They may not be something that we're going to use at that time, but it's going to be something that we use down the road. He hands us these skills, which are ultimately our weapons, like prayer, Bible, um, being able to do podcasts, being able you know, to be good communicators on social media, spreading the word of God, waking people up, sharing that truth with them. And I'm a, a great example of how God has worked in my life even before I knew who he was. I spent most of my life studying um paganism, studying just um, polytheism, theism, uh, monotheism, and so forth. You know, so And it wasn't like I practiced any of that stuff. I've just always been interested in learning um, multiple cultures. Um, but one thing about me is that I always believed in Christ, even before I became a Christian. I knew Christ was the Son of God. I always believed that. I never believed, you know, even when I was studying, you know, Celtic, um, Druid, uh, Pictish and, and all the other things that I've studied, I, I knew that there was one God and God was the same God that created everyone in this world. No matter what your belief is, no matter what your religion is, we are all the children of one God and God watches over us and he has plans for all of us. God could have put us on this earth. And I said this in, a, in the bended knee the other day, God could have put us on this earth in the 1800s, but he didn't. He chose every one of us, me, you, every single person here listening, and everyone else around this world. He picked us to be here at this exact moment. Are we going to rise to the occasion? Are we going to be able to listen to God when God is speaking to us and, and giving us the little, you know, setting us off on those paths that we are meant to go on? Me personally, 
um, God has spoken to me in many ways, and it took me a while to listen. You know, when I used to hear stories of Christians saying, telling me stories about how they sat down and and listened to God or talked to God, you know, there was a time where I thought that was silly. I'm like, you know, really? Are you sitting in your chair and God's sitting right across from me having this conversation? What are you talking about? But then I stopped and I started to pay attention and I realized God speaks to us in so many ways. Sometimes you can be walking down the aisle of a mall and you hear a conversation that somebody else is having, people that you don't know. You don't even know why you heard what they said and it made no sense to you at that moment. But you remember it, that seed was planted. So what happens 20 years down the road? So you remember that conversation just pops into your head, you know, because you experienced it and our brains never forget. But now what you heard them talking about in the mall makes complete sense. And it incorporate that into your life at this point. So God speaks to me, um, speaks to me in dreams, especially I've been a very lucid dreamer since I was a child. And a lot of the dreams um, were reoccurring and it was things that I just didn't know how to pay attention to things that I didn't understand. But years down the road, I still remember those dreams in the same detail that I had them back at that time. And it makes complete sense to me. God was guiding my life well before I even accepted God into mine because he knew we, he knew that he had a plan for me, just like he has a plan for every single one of you. So I, I pray multiple times a day. I pray often and I re, you know, I generally pray right before I go to sleep, especially right, right before I, I try to just fade off and, and forget the world at, at the point that, you know, all the chaos and stuff like that. The other night I prayed to God and I said, God, how do we learn to listen to you better? How can we be most efficient as your servants? How do we wake people up that are still sleeping and not wanting to wake up? And more importantly, how do we talk about being good Christians and about the, the joy and the love and all the beauty that you bring into our lives to people that just don't want to be Christians? Because Christianity's gotten this, this stigma, and we find out that the stigma has come from the deep state, the cabal, the uh, Khazaria Mafia, they basically put the stigma around Christianity because they understand the power of Christ and the power of God. You know, so a lot of people are, are reluctant to head to, to God, to, to head down that narrow path. Many people um, were, are embarrassed. You know, I remember when I was a child, you know, when, when I would put on a Jesus shirt, um, I was embarrassed to go to school with it. Today, I wear those same Jesus shirts everywhere I go in this world with the utmost pride. And that was because I finally found that personal relationship with God. So the other night when I was laying down to sleep, when I prayed to God and I asked him, you know, how can we serve you best? How do we wake these people up? How do we bring, bring people closer to you? And God said to me in this dream, he goes, you need to talk to people that haven't found God in Christ yet like an infant. Don't talk to them like children necessarily, but speak to them like you would talk to a child. You don't want to jump into it. And I had this conversation, you know, and then, and then right after that, um, in the dream, I asked God, I said, you know, why, why me? You know, I, I, there's so many way more righteous people out there than myself. You know, here I am, I, I'm on a journey. You know, I'm by no means a biblical scholar. I have so much improvement to do in my life still, you know, so I, I pray to God, Often, God, forgive me for the sins that I make the same mistakes over and over again. But then I go back and repent, realizing that the first step that we make to, to overcoming these sins is realizing that we're sinning in the first place. So God's answer to me when I asked him, why, God, did you save a wretch like me? And in the dream, God's answer to me was, 
because I can see what's in you that other people can't see. And it goes for every single one of us. We see what's on the surface. We see the stumbles that we make. We see when we break our legs trying to learn a lesson. We see all of this, you know, and that's what we see is the surface of people. But God, God, he doesn't just see what, what's in our hearts now, but he sees what's in, what's going to be in our hearts. And that was a, just an inspiring answer. I woke up out of that dream just just like, wow, I was connected emotionally to the words of God saying, because I can see in other people what other people can't see in you. And like I said, God sees all of this. He knows. He knows what our plan is. He knows what our script is. He knows what he has planned for us, and he sets us off on our mission. And when God puts you on a mission, we don't fail. We do not fail. So I talked to Jeff, my, my brother brothers from Brothers in the Bible, and I told him, you know, what, what I had, had heard in that dream when God told me that you need to speak to people like infants. And he pointed to me a couple of scriptures in the Bible. And one of them was the fact that we need to speak simply. You don't need to, to sound like a professor or a professor of theology or anything when you're talking to people about scripture and about God. You speak simply, speak in ways that they can understand, because there's always a metaphor that someone's going to understand. There's always an analogy that's going to make it clear to somebody. And that's the beauty of, of God having so many children that are on the same mission is because we all speak in different ways. And, you know, I may not be able to get through to somebody that you may be able to. And that's the thing is that's why God has us all on these missions is because we're so different. God didn't make us all the same because if he did, we'd all be doing the same things. We'd be great at the same things. And then all these other things would not be accomplished, you know, so that's why he makes us all so different. So Jeff said, read this scripture right here. This is Hebrews um, 5, 12 through 14. This is the King James Version. For when, for the time that ye ought to be teachers, ye have need to one teach you again, would be the first principles of the oracles of God. And to become such as have um, the need for milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskilled or unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And I thought about that, and I was like, you know, that that's so deep and so well said. And, and I, I broke it down. I'm just going to break it down to how I understood this. Babies, do you feed a baby milk or do you feed a baby meat? You feed a baby milk because they don't have teeth yet. They have to grow. They have to become stronger. And it's the same thing when you're talking to someone who hasn't found Christ yet or, or is working their way into that relationship with Christ is you start off simply. You don't just go throwing the scripture out in their face and, and confusing them and, and just trying to overwhelm them. You speak simply. You speak simply like you would to a child, giving them milk. And eventually, when that person starts asking questions, becoming inquisitive, seeking that relationship with God, that's the time that you give them the meat. That's when you start going through the scripture. You have to get people interested. The reason that it took me so long, I would say, to call myself a Christian in particular, it wasn't the scripture. It was some Christians themselves. I didn't want to feel judged. I didn't want to feel like I was walking into something doing everything wrong. And some of the churches, quite honestly, made me feel that way. So when I got my relationship with God and I started doing Kilted Christian, one of the first things that came to my mind, one of my first thoughts was speak simply. Tell people about your journey. Share the the hardships that you've had in your life because somebody else may be experiencing that same hardship 
and what you have to say, your story, your story of how you found God may be what not only releases them from the shackles of their sin, but pulls them into that relationship of God. It's a step-by-step process. And I said the other day that God has been patient with every single one of us. None of us are perfect. Even the best of us right here in this room have had some, some flaws in their lifetime, mistakes that they've made and they've overcome. And God was very, very patient with us as he walked us down to that narrow path until we found that relationship and we could feel it in our hearts. And we need to be the same way with all those people that are sleeping right now, with people that are on the other side of the political scale, we need to be patient with them because they are the children of God. And if God can wake me up and God can wake others up that have, you know, didn't have, weren't the best people growing up, um, he can do it with anybody. God can change Pelosi's heart. As, as crazy as that sounds, God can change Pelosi's heart too. It's all possible, which is why it's important for us to have that patience and to plant those seeds and allow them to be interested enough in that conversation. See what you're doing in your life. See the joy that God fills your heart with and, and the things that you do and how excited you are having that relationship with Christ. And then they're going to be intrigued. They're going to be interested. They're going to come to you. They're going to start asking you questions. And there we go. Because every bit of change always begins with asking questions. So no matter who they are, no matter what side they are, you may think they're one of the worst people that you've ever met in your life. And Bryn, you said it, God changed Nebuchadnezzar. And that is one of my favorite uses right there of changing the heart of somebody that followed false idols, that led people to those false idols and ended up changing their heart to be a better person by, by watching another's experience, which was Daniel in the lion's den. And, you know, we have our own versions of the lion's den that other people see. God's going to teach us lessons. You know, sometimes, like me, people are just too stubborn to hear those lessons. So, you know, we may have an opportunity to watch somebody break their leg and learn a lesson. You know, but, but if we're stubborn and we don't learn from their mistake, eventually we're going to break our leg. But we're still going to learn that lesson. God's not going to quit on us. It may be what we're not expecting. It may come out of nowhere. But we learn lessons through beauty and we learn lessons through hardship. And that's the important thing to remember is that, you know, there's always, there's going to be some bad things that come from what you think is good. There's going to be some good things that come from what you think is bad. It's all how you perceive it. It's all how you look at it. As long as your heart is there, you know, in God's will and in Jesus's will, following them down their path, doing what they did, emulating it the best that we possibly can. Because if God thought that we were perfect, Jesus would have never been put on that cross. He was our escape. He was our hope. He was our walk right into heaven because he understood that no matter what corner you turn, no matter where you are in this world, evil and temptation are probably around that corner. And they're probably trying to steer you down the path that, that we don't want to be down. So it's a matter of that connection with God is what allows us to have the wisdom to discern the knowledge that we're given, to discern the temptation and the evil that are trying to steer us down in every single path. And let's face it, guys, the closer we get to God, and I think every one of us here knows this, the closer we get to God, the more the devil comes right after us. And the most important thing and the first thing that we can do is realizing that we can put everything that we don't like in our lives into the hands of God, and God is going to take care of it. So I'm going to play a quick video for you. I played it um, like about a month ago when I did um, one of the first versions that I did, Abended Knee. This one's called In the Right Hands.
As 2020 has been one headache after another, it is a pleasure to find the smallest taste of inspiration. Often these inspirations are well-timed, as the one I'm about to share with you was for me. I cannot take credit for this story, and I wish that I could give credit to whom it is due. However, it is too beautiful of an analogy not to share with you during these odd times, and I hope I do it justice. In my hands, the football is useless and only worth the $30 it takes to purchase from a Walmart. In the hands of Tom Brady, it is worth millions. In my hands, a basketball is only worth a few hours of fun and the $20 it cost me to obtain it. But in the hands of Michael Jordan, it's worth 20 million. In my hands, a golf club is worth about $50, a day of cursing and about $30 worth of balls lost in a lake. However, in the hands of Tiger Woods, that same club is worth 100 million. If I have a staff in my hand, I can use it to hike and maybe keep a snake at distance. But that same staff in the hands of Moses can part the Red Sea. Put a slingshot in my hand and I may catch a squirrel for dinner, but in the hands of King David, he could slay a giant. Bread and fish in my hands could feed me and my mother, but you put that same fish and bread in the hands of Christ and he can feed thousands. If I had a few nails in my hands, I may be able to build a bench or repair a house, but you put those same nails in the hands of Jesus and you receive eternal life and salvation. The worth and accomplishments all depend on whose hand it is in. We as humans are fallible, vulnerable, and fragile sinners. We get caught up in the turmoil of our current state, becoming angry, depressed, and confused. We suffer mood swings and a daily roller coaster of emotions that often leave us feeling hopeless. As long as these emotions stay in our hands, that's all they will ever be. But in the hands of God, we will be free from the darkness that surrounds us, see the truth behind the veil, become what we are meant to be, and flourish in the love that God has bestowed. See, the first key is remembering that we're all human and we're going to make loads of mistakes. But when you put anything into the hands of God, God's got our backs and God's going to take care of us. And we have to remember that because we have the ability. We, we don't have the ability to save someone's soul, but we have the ability to lead them to who possibly can and not possibly, but who can. And that would be Jesus Christ. This is what we do right now is God didn't ask a lot from us. He asked us a few things. He wants us to spread the gospel. He wants us to witness. He wants us to, to follow, you know, to stay away from the seven deadly sins, from the sins. There's certain things that he asked from us, but he didn't ask a lot. And it's a very simple task for us to do is to, to take that effort and try to lead people to that path. Because like I said, we can't save people's souls. We don't have the ability to get them into heaven, but we do know who can. And it's our job to do our best to get people to, to walk down that path. And like I said, talk is cheap. A lot of people can talk some fancy words, but it's those doers that inspire the world to do great things. And the greatest thing that we can possibly do as human beings is to help someone find that relationship with Christ. And it can happen to anybody. It can happen to those people that you least expect. And, you know, I'd mentioned the other day about, you know, sowing the seeds and planting those seeds because often, you know, I'm sure you guys are having the same problems that I have is when this all began um, with Trump coming into office, more and more people started waking up to God, which is the greatest thing ever. I was one of those people. Um, sadly, it took me understanding how real evil was and how real the devil was before I found God. But God has different ways of waking us up and pulling us to that path that we're supposed to be walking on if we're listening. And finding that relationship with God, 
once you have that excitement, the love, the joy, it becomes apparent from the outsiders because they see it. My parents, um, I've had many friends that have turned their backs on me over the last five years, calling me a conspiracy theorist, making fun of me um, for what I talk about, what I was trying to wake them up to. And I know all of you have someone in your life. It's the same exact thing. But what did God do? God removed certain people from my life and he brought me to better people, which is you, every one of you here. He brought me to a better family. You guys are a family that inspire one another. You guys are a family that literally lifts people up on days that they're down. I see you guys when we ask for a call to prayer. I see you guys in the chat praying away. And I know it doesn't stop here. When this show ends, you guys will be praying for those people all over again. Because a lot of us are going through some big trials and some big tribulations right now. So I said a moment ago, the closer you get to God, the more the devil comes into your life. And I'm going to give you one example that in my life that happened just a year ago. Um, just over a year ago today, Scott Kesterson gave me a call. He said, Duncan, I'm going to be doing the biggest revival that we've seen in years right here in the United States of America. He goes, would you come direct the show? And I was like, 100%, not only because it's a Patriot event, but more so because it's a revival. It's a, it's a place that I know people are going to come together and talk about Christ and pray for each other. It's going to be just full of love, which is exactly what it was. It was nothing but love, nothing but prayer, good people. I got to meet many of you face to face and you know, you guys are just inspiring to me coming together, praying, full in that love, being part of Bard's Nation. And the one, the biggest mission that we have in Bard's Nation is helping people find God, not just the politics, not just the preparation to what's coming. Because the biggest thing that we need to do to prepare is to get that relationship with God. There's no better day than today to find that relationship with God because God promised us today, but he did not promise us tomorrow. If we wake up tomorrow, we're on bought time. We're thanking God. God, thank you so much for giving me this extra day. Because as long as God has a mission for us, we're going to be right here. But we need to stand up and we need to do that. We need to, to walk that path and do exactly what God wants us to do, which comes down to how listen, you know, how do you listen to God? How do you have those conversations? So years ago, um, actually, let me finish this story first. Um, so, anyways, when I accepted that, um, that prospect from Scott about, you know, doing the directing for Bard's Fest. The very next day, um, I got kicked out of the house that my mother and I were living in. And it was because the people, um, which was relatives of mine, actually, and it was a house that I partially owned. They ended up threatening to bring their high priced lawyers against me. They ended up robbing me of um, about $250,000 of money that I'd put into this house. And I was just devastated. My mom and I are frantic, frantic at this point. We're looking for a place to live. And, you know, so we had two weeks before Bard's Fest at that point. And when I left, when I hopped on that airplane to go to Bard's Fest, I didn't have a place to live. And I was not worried about myself because me and my dog, we can go live in a tent and we'll be A-OK. -okay. But I've got a mother who's 73 years old. She's um, going through a lot of, of hardships the older she gets. She was who I was worried about. But I had faith in God. I was like, you know what? I'm about to direct a revival. I'm about to be part of something great, something that literally speaks, speaks to God and brings all of these God-loving people together. I know God's got my back. So I arrived in a, I arrived over Missouri, got off the airplane. I headed to the, the hotel that I was staying at. 
get a phone call from my mom. And she said, son, we got a house. And we had looked at many, many homes and every one of them were taken up by another renter. But we ended up getting a place. So I had no home when I left. And literally the day that the event finished and I went home and I landed in Texas, I got off that airplane. I went back to the place that I was living and moved everything over to the new house. This was all literally, I mean, within 24 hours, God took care of us. So we, we have this idea. We, we want things in our own time. We, we get really impatient about certain aspects, but God always, always comes through for us. Sometimes he does make us wait. And why does he make us wait? Because he wants us to have that faith. He wants us to know. He wants to know that we believe in God enough to where we're going to be taken care of because God's not going to leave us in the rain. God's going to give us the food we need. God's going to give us the shelter we need. God's going to give us the friendships that we need. He's always going to bring, he's never going to take something away without giving us something that's going to benefit our lives better. So like I said, you know, when I was working for the Dallas Stars and San Antonio Spurs, I made a big mistake and I accidentally loaded one of my patriotic videos to my uh, portfolio and I lost my job within two weeks. I was fired from both jobs because I was a Trump supporter. I was a conservative. I was a constitutionalist and I was broken up about that. I was broken up about all the friends that I lost because of that. I almost lost every one of my friends because of that, because where I live is a very liberal area. The industry that I work in is an extremely liberal area. But what happened? God ended up saying, I've got other plans for you. So first off, I'm going to bring other people into your life. And that's where you guys come in. All of these people that, that have become my family. And you know what? I may have lost 3,000 friends. I may have gained 300 of you. But you 300 are a whole lot better than the thousand of friends that I lost during that time. And we have to remember that. Sometimes we get down on things that happen in our lives, but God isn't going to do anything that isn't going to make our lives better in the long run. So we have to remember that. Punky, you're right. Quality over quantity. Um, and this is where we are right now is we, we just got to remember that and constantly put that faith in God's life. So the first time, other than the dreams that I had growing up, one of the first big times that God really intervened in my life. And this is an amazing story, guys. Um, I used to have um, a drug addiction. This was um, 20 plus years ago. I was walking down the beach. I was heading into work with my buddy. And this guy walked up to us. He was a black man with this three-piece um, pewter blue suit on a beach on, in Florida. And he came right up to me and he put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, you're going to be leaving tomorrow. He goes, you don't know where you're going to go until you get to where until you get to where you're going to be leaving from and you don't know why you're going to go until you get to your destination so i'm like you know what does this mean okay you know haha ha. so i walked about five steps forward as this gentleman walked off and my buddy and i turned around the guy was gone this is on a, an open beach and the man was gone and i looked at him and i was like was that an angel that was my first thought was this an angel so what happened that evening, I got off work. I went down to the boardwalk just to kind of, to, to you know, talk to God and, you know, figure out, okay, what am I supposed to do? Was that legit? Came across a guy that was telling me about this place in Rhode Island. So I'm like, okay, that's where I'm going to go. So the next day, I got a ride to the train station. I hopped on the train. I went to Rhode Island, ended up in Providence. When I stepped off of that train, there was a little piece of paper hanging on the pillar that held the roof up. And on that piece of paper was a drug rehabilitation center with the little phone numbers that dangled down from the bottom. So I ripped off that phone number. I made that call. 
I ended up going and I went to rehab. I did not know that I was going there to rehabilitate from drugs. But when I got there, I knew that was what my, that was why I was sent to where I was sent. So I ended up in Providence. I went to a rehab facility. I was there for six months and I went through my detox and, you know, I got better and they said, you know, you're welcome to leave. And I was like, well, can I stick around a little bit longer? Because I realized that as someone who had gotten a degree in psychology, you know, this is something that, that I can help with. So I stuck around for, you know, three months longer and I utilized that time to talk and help other people that had just come in there for rehab from heroin, from methamphetamines, and, and Lord knows all the different addictions that they had. And I used that time to tell my story and be like, listen, guys, I'll tell you, I'm not going to lie to you. The first couple of days that I was in here, especially the first 48 hours, it was awful. I wanted to leave so bad. I didn't think that the sickness was going to be pulled out of my body, but it was. And I made it through this, guys. And six months later, I'm standing here with you telling you that you can get over this same problem. You can get over these drugs too. So three months went by. I work with many, many people and I, and I help them stick around just for, you know, the, that first 48 hours and then the next couple of weeks. And then after that, it becomes a little easier and easier because you're learning how to live without the intox, you know, the intoxication. And, you know, so I got a lot of people to stick around. So I went and I talked to the doctor three months later and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be heading out guys. Um, you know, can I get a bill? How much do I owe you guys? And the doctors looked at me and said, Duncan, you have helped so many people during this last three months. We're not going to charge you. You're free to go, man. You just go live your life, man, and just stay clean. And I did. I've been clean ever since then. I had one hardship in my lifetime where I actually purchased the drug of my choice. And I looked at it for three hours and I flushed it down the toilet. That was the best $60 I've spent in my life because I knew at that moment I was over it. There wasn't anything that I needed in my life, but the Lord almighty and he fulfilled everything that I needed. I didn't need the drugs. The best drug in the world is a relationship with Christ because you end up feeling wonderful. You walk around, you can feel the joy. You can feel the love. You start to appreciate the, the problems that other people go to. And then, and then the ability for you to be able to help them. And how did this start off? It started off with an angel that God sent down here to this earth to approach me and just plant that seed. And he did it to a guy that didn't even know God yet. My first, my first prayers were when I was in that facility trying to, to cleanse myself out. I needed something. And, and God was what I found. You know, that was the beginning, the very beginning of my relationship with God. And before I knew God, God sent an angel into my life to make sure that I was heading down the path that I should be. And all of us have something in our lives. It may not be drugs. It may be something completely different. We don't, I, you know, I can't say. But nonetheless, we've all made mistakes. We've all had problems in those lives. We can either let those, those problems and those mistakes that we've made in our lives keep us down. Or we can use those to help others out of the same problems that we were in. And it's the same thing with helping people find God. Everybody has their own time. We just need to be patient and we need to be willing to plant those seeds because that seed may not grow for another year. It may not grow for 20 years, but they're not going to forget the seeds you planted. And one day when they're ready, they're going to remember what you said. Then they're going to start seeing that plant grow and they're going to become as awesome as they can possibly be better Christians than some of us. You know, like I said, it's just a matter of having a little bit of patience. So the next video that I'm going to play for you guys real quick, and I'll go over that here in a moment as well. 
This video is one that I did called Blood of the Lamb. When God blessed me with life, he created a loving and loyal sheep, a sheep that was equal to the rest and who were loved greatly by the Creator. There is no greater honor than to be a sheep, but only to the Lord and our Savior. However, when God placed me here on this earth, he put me here as a wolf to help guard his flock from other wolves with less pure intentions. He didn't make me a large wolf. He didn't make me the bravest wolf. He made me what I needed to be, a loyal and resourceful wolf. When our Holy Father placed every individual on this earth, he gave us each a different purpose and a different set of skills. With free will, we choose to be good or bad, but those who do not serve themselves are blessed with a purpose that can only come with realizing that we are here for something bigger than ourselves. We can only hope to discern that in which we were enthroned. Some of us were meant to be dragons, bringing forth leadership and unwavering bravery. Some of us were put here to be shepherds, bringing God's words to the people. Some of us were meant to be scholars, nurturers, artisans, teachers, healers, or messengers. Yet we are all God's warriors, and every individual gift that we are blessed with is critical to the outcome of His divine plan. Spartans, what is your profession? Although God did not make me a biblical scholar, He gave me the inspiration to seek the wisdom. Although God did not make me a dragon with unwavering bravery, He made me loyal, which gives me the courage of a Spartan when it comes to doing the right thing. I trust that scratch hasn't made you useless. Hardly, my lord. It's just an eye. God so fit to grace me with a spare. Although he did not make me the most brilliant man, he made me resourceful so I can easily navigate through even the most stressful situations. Although God did not give me the strength to force myself straight through the enemy, he did give me the ability to motivate those who can. Ready for battle. That you are one of the finest. But you have another talent unlike any other Spartan. Tell them my story. You'll have a grand tale to tell. A tale of victory. Victory. I've always felt like we were meant for something more than we became. And the devil has architected everything within social structure to keep us from reaching our true spiritual potential. God knew this too, which is why we were all gifted with a purpose and a choice to fulfill that purpose. I worship the Lord, my God, and serve Him only. He knew that in order for us to become what He intended, we would have to fight for it first. God made sure that those of us without strength and bravery had those who are to walk by our sides. Those of us who are not brilliant have others that give us knowledge. Those of us who are not spiritual scholars have a place to seek wisdom. Those who cannot find a voice have others that can be their voice. Like any war, the only beautiful aspect is what we hope to achieve or perceive by fighting this war in the first place. There are few to little pleasantries and even victory cannot be celebrated without sadness. Even worse is a war that you cannot even see and the wounds are spiritual. The bullets pierce the soul rather than the skin with an enemy that is completely invisible to the naked eye that most don't even see to begin with. However, with God's grace, many warriors are already quite aware of and active in this war and others are finding their places every day. 
The Lord has put all of his aces in their places, and we can find courage in one another and knowing that the outcome is in his great favor. Yet even in the midst of war, as hard as the days often get, I find myself making efforts to better myself as a person and finding others that inspire me to do so. Opening my eyes to the evil within the world has created awareness of the evils that have existed inside myself. Spiritual growth is impossible without first recognizing your flaws, and admitting your flaws allows you to forgive others for their foibles. Just like mortality, in order to appreciate it fully, we must first recognize its existence, and the only way to recognize it is we must first inevitably face it. But on this day, I stand by all of you in this dark tunnel looking at the illuminated entrance, knowing that many of us are not worthy yet of eternal life. However, we stand side by side willing to give our lives to ensure our children can become what God had intended, understanding that every effort we make in the name of God is one step closer to becoming worthy of Him. In the Almighty's divine plan, we all carry the beacon of His light. The light may only reach one other soul, but that soul could very well be the one that inspires the revolution. So God always watches us. He's always known what we are going to be doing. And you got to look at it like a professional football coach for the NHL or for the NFL. They're going to put their best players, the most suitable. And God has chosen us to be here at this moment because we are the ones that are suitable for this war. It's not a mistake. God's not going to throw us into the deep end when we're not ready to swim. He knows that we're ready to swim, which is why he has put us into this time. You know, we just need to remember what we've learned throughout our lives. Even if we didn't know what we were learning or why we were learning it 20 years ago, those things are going to come in very useful at this very moment because God, like I said, picked us all to be here during this time to fight one of the biggest wars that we've ever had in this world. And this isn't a world, a war of, of flesh. This is literally a war of the soul. This is a war between God and a, and a war between the devil fighting each other. And we're here as God's servants to fight in this war as well. And, you know, a lot of people think it's like, man, I wish that I could touch more people or inspire more people. You know, if you were to touch one soul in your entire life, like I said in this video, that one soul could be the one that inspired the revolution. You don't know the impact that you have on certain people. And once it gets, it gets way out of our hands, you know, uh, the impact that Scott has, you know, he's got like almost 40 million views in the last year or so um, with the show that he does, Bards FM, Fishes of Men, Bended Knee. But he doesn't truly know how far his reach goes because people download those videos. They end up sending them overseas. Somebody overseas sees it and they send it to 20 people. And those 20 people send it to 20 more people apiece. You'll never know the impact that you make on other people just by being who you are and utilizing the skills that God has given you over your life in this war. Some of us were meant to be those brave soldiers, the ones that are going to walk in the war and have the biggest impact because of the size, you know, because of their courage. But some of us are meant to inspire those that, that do that. Some of us are meant to be, you know, to be the, the readers of scripture. Some of us are, are prayer warriors. God has a gift for every single one of us, and we all have a task. And like I said earlier, when God puts us on a mission, when he puts us on a task, he always sees us through. He's not like a human who may let you down halfway to the battle or the many people that you may know that will agree with you, agree with you, agree with you. And then when it comes time to stand up, they turn their back and walk away because they're cowards. God didn't make cowards. God made all of us 
warriors, spiritual warriors, prayer warriors, warriors of the voice, warriors, walkers, watchers. We all have some beautiful, great gift that God has given us, and we can teach others to do that. And it may not be what their what their power, their their strength that God gave them, but they're going to find that once they start to seek. And it's easier to find that once you are easier to understand it once you have that relationship with God, because like I said, God was preparing you for that moment, for this moment, well before you even knew that He was preparing for you this moment. Like I said, just like with me. God was working in my life well before I brought him into mine. And that is the beauty and the patience of God in Christ. And it's one of the greatest things of being able to know him. Because just imagine, you know, I, I put myself into the mind of, of an atheist every now and then. I'm like, I just don't understand it. You know, how can life be godless to you? You know, what is the point of waking up, eating, sleeping, working, repeating? You know, there's, life's got to be worth more than that. There's got to be more to it than that. But once you find God, there's a reason behind everything. There's a motivation behind everything. That's where my fire lies. When I wake up every day, I'm like, God, what do I do today? It gives me a greater purpose that I ever could have considered that I would have been brought into this war with. And it's just like with every single one of you, God's given you a great purpose, a great purpose. And he's proud of you. He loves you. He's proud of you. And just like your own dad if you, if, and mom, if you had loving parents in your lifetime, they're going to watch out for you. When you make a mistake, are they going to see it? Absolutely, they're going to see it. But are they going to give up on you? No, they'll never give up on you. They're going to lift you right back up, just like God does every time we stumble on that narrow path, which I do daily. God picks me back up. He dusts me off, and he sends me right back down that path. And that is the beauty of having God into your life is because it's purposeful. There's meaning to it. And it, it's just an absolute honor to be part of this. And guys, don't ever forget that. You know what I'm saying? The relationship goes both ways and we can feel it in our hearts. Like when God taught, when, when we just imagine words in our head or when God talks to us, we can feel it. Your solar plexus lights up, your soul lights up, your heart lights up. Like there's like no question, just like with my dreams. When I come out of these dreams, um, I have the emotion, the connection still to those dreams and they, they hang on with me, not just one day, two days, three days. That's how I know when God's talking to me because I can't let go of the emotional connection because that emotional connection is God, it's Christ in heaven. And that connection's never going to be broken as long as you are holding to your line, standing by God, not being ashamed being proud to go out and talk to them, carrying on conversations with people out in public, standing in a line at a Walmart. Well, preferably not a Walmart, but a convenience store. You know what I'm saying? It's it's the strangers that, that we can have impacts on that we don't even realize. Because you got to remember, when Christ was, was walking this earth, he wasn't hanging out with the righteous. He was hanging out with the prostitutes. <clears throat> he was hanging out with the thieves. He was hanging out with the people that needed what God was bringing to them. He didn't need to hang out with the preachers. Well, maybe some today. Um, he needed to hang out with some preachers today and get them back on that righteous path, you know? And we're at the point now where the congregations are often stronger sometimes than the people who are, who are spreading that message at the altar. You know what I'm saying? So we can have the impact on the person who's trying to impact us. Because a lot of these preachers right now, you know, the churches have been infiltrated. And I think we're seeing that more and more. But guys, we got resilient. 
we got resourceful and we started seeking church in other places. You know what? If our churches are going to let us down in our towns, forcing us to wear a mask, not allowing us back into our church because we didn't get vaccinated, you know what? We'll get on and we'll go to Fishers of Men. We'll go to Bards FM. We'll go to Miguelifornia's show. We'll go to Greenbeard's show. All these people that are trying to get people closer to God and reach God and spread that message. You know, when one church falls, another temple rises. And this isn't a traditional temple. You know what I'm saying? But this is what church is. It's two or more people gathering in one spot and having a conversation in the name of God. And you guys, even during the show, chatting back and forth with each other, wishing each other well, lifting each other up, praying for somebody when they're down. This is what church is. And I feel that with you guys. I'm not looking at any of your faces right now, but I can still see you and I can still feel you. And I know that the love is right here. This is church, guys. Church is where we are. Church is where we, no matter where we walk, no matter where we get on a microphone, as long as God is in this conversation and Jesus is sitting in that chair with me, we're in church and it's an absolutely beautiful thing. So I'm gonna play one more video for you guys real quick. And this video was one of the dreams that I had going back to when I was 11 years old. And I had this dream multiple times throughout my lifetime. And it's just an example of, of God talking to you even when you weren't ready to listen but you never forget. And eventually that message becomes very apparent. So I'm gonna play this for you real quick. It's called Our Father's Enlightening Wisdom. Since this is the holidays and the next few videos that I'm working on are a little on the darker side, I wanted to take a break from the politics and the turmoil and discuss something that I think we can all associate with. Every day we are pummeled by new problems, new challenges, new responsibilities, that we get caught up in the stress and often do not notice the 99 little wonderful things that take place during the day that we often take for granted, such as the fact that we even woke up at all. While many of us are focused on the stress and the excitement of Santa and gifts, I want to pay my reverence to the greatest gift of all, bestowed to us by God. As souls that walk the earth sheath in flesh and blood, we have developed many understandable ways of communicating with one another. But when God speaks, are you aware? The Almighty has many ways of speaking to us. He speaks through other people. He speaks through observation. He speaks through experience. He engages us in every way other than using his own voice. Yet the Lord's most detailed conversations usually happen while we are deep in physical slumber. Throughout my life, I have been a very lucid dreamer. Occasionally I have dreams of just random conscious experience manifesting themselves while I sleep. But mostly I have dreams of which I wake up from still connected to the same emotion I experienced while I was dreaming while remembering every small detail down to the smell, sound, and sights. Although we may not understand what God is saying at the time, we will find that we will always end up where God is placing us, often understanding His words well after we've arrived. A dream I've had many times in my life made very little sense to me, but I knew it was important because it was reoccurring. In complete panic, I hid within a cave. I was hiding from something with urgency, but I was never quite sure what it was. Soon after, I saw a shadow that was cast hard by the sunlight outside of the cave's entrance. A man walked in and laid a box of golden jewels on a natural stone shelf in the cave. He then opened the lid to another box and whispered into it. He closed it and wrapped it in hemp twine. I thought he was oblivious to my presence when he laid the box down next to the other, turned around and he looked at me with his innocent blue eyes. I knew immediately it was Jesus, and although he did not say a word, he still spoke to me with the gaze, telling me that my destiny was to make sure that the treasure made it to its destination. He said that I was not meant to carry the treasure, only to protect the carrier, and that it had to be done without anyone being aware that I was tasked with this mission. Still mesmerized by the experience, I'm not sure how much time had passed before a young woman entered the cave. 
I backed into the shadows with stealth as she approached the boxes. She picked up the box with the golden diamonds and then placed it back down, picking up the other box with confidence and swiftly exited the cave. I was never suspect that she was indeed the carrier in which the savior had advised. Upon instruction, I maintained my distance, waiting momentarily for the opportunity, having to briefly wait for my eyes to adjust to the light. She set off down a straight natural road that was shielded on both sides by rough mountainside. The pass was an easy travel for the carrier, but in order for me to remain concealed, my only choice was to remain in the unforgiving mountain landscape. Although it was not easy, I grew to appreciate the advantage of the perception of having a bird's eye view of everything. Because on many occasions, tired and torn, I had to defuse situations that were meant to harm the carrier and the treasure. I never in the many times that I dreamt this made it to the destination. She nor the box were ever harmed. I just never completed the dream, nor did I understand it. After being forced to look at things outside the box over the last few years and becoming more introspective in the process, I finally see that the Heavenly Father was not telling me anything. He was revealing something to me. I was not afraid of what was outside of the cave. I was afraid of being led into the darkness. Christ came into the cave to task me with something that pulled me from the darkness. The treasure in the box were God's virtuous words, and the female carrier was Justice, who was carrying truth to its harbor. My journey was arduous, so hers could be effortless. In the last three years of making these videos and not being silent about my patriotism, my hopes of helping people see the truth, and my support for Trump, I have had to endure some pretty rough times. I no longer have the consistent financial security after losing my career in film being blackballed in one of the country's most liberal cities. I have lost friends and have had family that wants to distance themselves from my efforts. But the truth is, I'm happier than I've ever been because I know that I'm doing exactly what I was meant to be doing. The inconveniences and hardships I've encountered in these last few years were the rough roads that I dreamt about. And the videos I make now, I do anonymously, so no one is aware of my involvement. These videos' content are not my messages or my treasures, but the truth that I was meant to guard in order to ensure it reaches its intended destination. So you may be wondering who the carrier is. The carrier is all of you, all the people that realize what we are facing and step up to carry the truth to the rest of the world. The millions of you that want to help preserve the virtue God set forth to the world by spreading each video, meme, tweet, and thread far and wide into the hands of our brothers and sisters across the world. Although I have not seen the end of this dream, I am certain the treasure will reach its recipients. God has handed every one of us a task in this war between good and evil, darkness and light. Many, without reluctance, are willing to walk those uneasy paths in order to stand strong in this fight to preserve virtue, integrity, and hopes that the rest who are unable will always be given an easy road to venture to the truth. The only question remaining is, when God whispers, will you be listening? Some of us were granted the task of delivering the message. Some of us were given the task of guarding those who are delivering the message. We all have a part in this war and it's not a matter of having your name be involved in this. That's the problem. I think the biggest problem I think we have with this Patriot movement is that there are a lot of people out there. They want to be the ones to get the theories, right? They want to have their name go down into the history books guys. We should just be proud that we're a part of this history. Our name doesn't need to go into the book. You know, when they talk about what we're doing here today, generations from now, we'll just be thankful that we were part of it. You know what I'm saying? All of us were, every single one of us. There's no generals in this war. We're all on an even scale and we all have different tasks and we have different missions. And that's one thing that I've really learned over these last couple of years is God wants us to walk humbly. He wants us to be, just have some humility. He doesn't want us to be arrogant. He doesn't want us to be led by ego. And when you want to be the name to be recognized in any situation, 
you're doing it for the wrong reason. We're doing this for God. We're doing this for our children. We're doing this to maintain the love, the creation, the scripture, the virtue, and everything that was given to us by God. And this is what this war is all about. This is why this war is our responsibility because we've made some mistakes and we are today where we are because we let God down and we're all making up for it right now. So this war that we're fighting right now, the spiritual battle, the one that we are serving God as God's warriors, putting on his armor every single day, this is what it's about, guys. It's about doing the right thing. It's about fighting this battle now so that our children don't have to. We need to, when we leave this earth, if it's not by rapture, everyone will be going up at that point, you know, that, that is deserving. But if, if it's not that time, because we don't know when, when Jesus is coming back, we just need to be prepared for anything and get our souls right. But fighting this battle right now is going to be what, keep, what allows us to hand off this world to the children in a way that we can confidently and feel comfortably and safely um, having them set down into a direction to where they won't repeat these mistakes. Because our children are going to have to bear the scars, deep, deep scars of what we're going through today because they can't forget. A couple of generations down the road, um, most of these children have already emotionally separated themselves from even the Holocaust, which was just a couple of generations ago. So imagine the evil in this world is going to try to sneak back up. It's going to try to infiltrate us all over again, which is why it's important that we bear these scars and that our children bear the scars of what we're fighting today so they can look down at their arm, see that scar, and have a reminder of how easy evil can infiltrate anything and the importance of putting God first when you wake up and last when you go to bed and everything in between. If we don't have a world that is centered around God, then we don't have a world at all. God has destroyed this world in the past. And I ask myself daily, like, wow, how bad was it back then that you had to flood it out to where you're not flooding it out today? The difference is Jesus Christ. The world was destroyed multiple times. Places were destroyed multiple times before Christ. Christ is our key. Christ is our opportunity to fix this ourselves, to work on it. Not, not ourselves, but through God, but using our hands our voices, our feet, which is what God has granted us on this earth. We are his feet. We are his hands. We are created in his image to do great, great things. And that is why it is important for all of us right now to pray more than we ever have, to stay on mission, to be proud of who we are, to witness for God, and to help other people find that same relationship that we have found. Guys, I'm going to end this with a little bit of prayer. So please bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for the opportunities that you've granted all of us. Dear Lord, we may have made some mistakes. We may have thinking at times that, that you have forsaken us, but you never have. You've been patient. You are always there. So dear Lord, continue please to give us the discernment, the patience, the, the courage, the patience, the strength, and the love that, that we have and we need in our lives right now. Dear Lord, please lift that veil up. But allow us to find the right people to turn them to that veil so that they can see the truth that we have been lucky to see. Dear Lord, you chose us to wake up a little earlier than others because you knew that we were the ones that were going to be able to help wake up, wake up the rest. And we're grateful and we're honored, dear Lord. We want to serve you in the greatest of ways that we possibly can. And we have times where we get down on ourselves, dear Lord. We get down on ourselves often because we're human. But then we remember you. And remember the strength that you have and remember the purpose that you've given us 
and you're there to lift us up every single time and put us right back onto that path, dear Lord. Please, dear Lord, just keep us on this path. Don't ever let us give up. Let us find strength when the strength doesn't feel like, it, when, it, when it feels like it's depleting from ourselves. Dear Lord, give us more and more strength every single day. The more the devil tries to come after us, let him come after us as much as he wants to, but give us that strength to where the devil's going to be detoured at some point and give up because dear Lord, we're Christians. We are your children and we're never going to back down. And we're grateful for the honor and the privilege of being here at this very moment to be your warriors. We love you, dear Lord, in Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name we pray. Amen. Everybody, I want to thank you so much for allowing me to be part of this show. I know um, you guys love listening to Scott Kesterson as much as I do. He has been an inspiration to many of us, and he's done God's job, and he's he's corralled us. He's brought us together, and then, you know, we found our missions. We, we're family together. We find strength in here together. This isn't just Scott. This is Bard's nation. This is all of us, and that's what this show is. This show is a combination of every one of us together serving as a in a church serving god inspiring one another praying for one another and then walking out into this world and finishing our mission and i'm grateful and i'm proud to be here with every single one of you and i'm honored to have the opportunity to be able to come onto this show and i want to thank you all very much for making me feel welcome here because stepping in the scott shoes is a pretty big deal and there's some big shoes to fill but you guys have made me feel very welcome very comforted and i'm also thankful for scott to having the uh the trust in me to be able to do this show and i always pray before i come on to any of scott's show i'm like let this be a better show than any shows that i do over at kilted christian dear lord please take my hand and walk me through the next hour of fishers of men tonight and i am just absolutely grateful and thankful to be here with every single one of you guys i love you all very very much scott head keep your heads up expand the territory we know who wins this battle and that is the Lord Almighty. Guys, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to hang out here for another hour and bring you guys some music. But I just wanted to thank you all. I love you. I will be doing maybe one or two shows tomorrow. And then Scott's going to be back um, back live every night soon enough. And I'm looking forward to that as well. Guys, I love you all very, very much. And God bless. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now. Fit.
sun sets down over the hill where the lights got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world's too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Drifting like the tides Out on the freeway Let it ease my mind We run away sometimes When belonging becomes something to find We always come back To what we know Keep it close on the cold days Darling, counting all the way you are a safe place to hide from the rain.
I'll die upon a dead tree. Perhaps you'll die on this tree.
Oh, what you? What are you saying? Oh, you Chuckies and TV addicts. Don't mean to bring static. Klingons in the fucking house. Grab your back, street friend, and get loud. Pull the doors off hinges. Grab me with the pinches. And no, I didn't retire. I snatch you off with the needle nose pliers. Blackies, you're the overhaul. You won't see the scene before. Bad in, in the glazing. I'm going to eat you now on your face. Like a place in with the face suit.
It's amazing what you can do with a little motivation and a lot of whiskey.
Thank you. Thank you. Disorder! Disorder! 
my friends, this is the last song of the evening. Right, everybody, I want to thank you so much for hanging out with me for a post-show Fishers of Men dance party. And I did get permission from Scott to actually do what I'm doing. Thank you for all of you that reached out to him via email and gave me the thumbs up about the music, because now I get to play this music while Scott's gone. So 
Let's have a little bit of fun. Might as well. I think I will be back tomorrow for at least two of the shows. Possibly I've been to knee and then, um, I'll be doing Bards FM, my show. And then I believe Scott will be in his location to do Fishers of Men. So I will see you all of you guys tomorrow. So I guess I should be leaving you with a dessert. And since uh, we were talking about donuts earlier, I'm going to avoid donuts. And I'm going to go with a good coconut cream pie. That sounds really good to me right now. So I hope none of you are allergic to coconut. Other than that, go with some lemon pie because that's just as good. That being said, guys, I love you all very, very much. It's, it's I love hanging out with you guys. It's uh, 1 o'clock my time, so I was getting late from some of you guys over there, and I need to talk to my beautiful lady living. So you all have an absolutely beautiful night. I will see you tomorrow, and God bless.